Howdy gang, back country and barbells. I think Jeremy, we're, this is what, episode 57 we've been doing? On, I think so, on dude. <laughs> um, well, along with uh, along with our long format conversations, we, we've been throwing a couple shorts at you guys on Fridays with a bit more uh, fitness focus, and along with that, it may have inspired Jeremy to even think about um, a... I don't know, Jeremy, what would you call it? Like Tactical Tuesday, Mentorship Monday? I mean, I think there's a space on this podcast for like um, some quick-hitting hunting tips. What would you call your little thing if you did it? It's going to be Mentor Monday, and it's going to launch April 6th. Oh, you're gonna, oh, so we've put enough pressure on you to do this. Yeah, I've got um, – I've gotten – I have four episodes written, and now I have to record – Nice. All right. Well, you're taking it seriously. I just hit play and go and hope for the best. But uh, well, you're um, smarter than me, Joe. Yeah. Well, don't don't tell my wife. <laughs> don't tell my wife. But um, as as Jeremy and I banter, uh, we do have a third guy on the show today. Um, Alex. Alex Young. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Uh, Alex has a pretty cool uh, uh, Northwest based uh, social media feed. So we thought bringing Alex on the show today, folks, would be an opportunity to talk social media. We're in interesting times. Um, social media seems to be creeping its way into everything, including hunting space. And even now under the current events, it would, it would appear that um, social media is the only way you can really be social these days. Um, so before we get into all that, um, I thought it'd be cool between the three of us all living here. Alex, are you, you said you're, are you in Pierce County? Is Federal Way Pierce County? I am like right on the line, uh, Pierce and King, but I am in King County. Okay, well, between King, well, what's, what's was it Thurston County, King County, and Pierce County? Jeremy, are those the three counties that got hit hard with this in the beginning? Yeah, I believe so. That's it. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was, no, Snohomish. Snohomish. Yeah. Well, well, we're all in the middle of it, and it all seems to be growing. I mean, very recently, uh, the governor, Governor Easy's like, stay at home, stay safe, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been pushing this idea that. Yeah, you have to be healthy. That's the best thing you can do. But the more and more this thing grows, there's also a responsibility to not like spread this to folks that it could compromise. And and what's kind of put me at ease is thinking about my dad at home. My dad lives in Jersey, and Jersey and New York are getting smashed. And and a lot of that would seem to be because they have some densely populated pockets of people. But the thing that concerns me about my pop is he is one of these like immune compromised folks where. Uh, you know, he's diabetic, he's pretty sedentary, and, uh, you know, he's generally not, not very healthy, so, and he's and he's a past smoker, so I'm like, Dad, you know, you should stop working and watch out for people, but, so when I get a little worked up about not being able to go shoot my bow as much, or go into the gym and interact with my kids at work, I'm like, okay, by not doing that, I gotta, like, you know, I'm helping my dad out, because maybe other folks are helping out. other guys you can get to it but so so that's me like i'm trying to do a mental reset to not be selfish like as as we've been like in the meat of this going on third and the the second real hard week of this um you know what's going on in your guys mind and and how have you had to adjust to to sort out like a like a new sort of normal oh man well over here it's been um it's been a little different, man. So I work at Cisco, the uh, big food distrib- distribution company um, for restaurants. Oh, and wow. Obviously, restaurants, restaurants in this area are closed. Um, most of them are anyway. So business has taken a huge nosedive. Our company's laid off a bunch of people. And uh, I, I still have my job, thankfully. But 
it's just been it's been different man like the hours just aren't there um and so i mean i'm just thankful that like you know i don't have to worry about anything losing my place or anything like that like a lot of other people are worried about um and so it's definitely been really affecting i guess my life in that way too so you're um, you're an hourly employee over at cisco on full-time yeah, yeah. so so that's interesting yeah. jeremy and i were kind of talking a little bit i mean he does a lot of remote sales stuff and he's considering he's got okay. his stuff kind of lined up and you know i teach and my wife works for the army over at madigan medical and i was just kind of telling him before the show like yeah i've had to make all my adjustments mentally and kind of like we've been doing really good i like my family i'm hanging out with them they've cut my hours i'm working from home they've cut my way i mean to be honest for our family it's been nothing but a vacation right now you know what i mean and, and i hate yeah. it, you know yeah. i kind of feel bad saying that but it, to get to bring you in on this from that perspective are, so when when you're an hourly employee like that are they still paying you or do you are they just trying to find hours for you when you can work i mean do you mind diving into some specifics easy man so uh they are paying me for the hours i work and that's it um so it is, everyone there is, it's rough. It's normally a union job, um, but in state of emergencies like this, union contracts are void. Um, so whereas most, like most people at my work would be guaranteed uh, 80 hours, a week, or I'm sorry, 40 hours a week, um, they're not anymore because of the state of emergency that's been declared. So it's just, it's like an adjustment period, man. People are not getting their 40 hours a week. Um, and they're not making any overtime obviously too. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's trying to find the balance, but honestly, like you said, it's been a big vacation. I mean, I'm spending a lot of time with my wife too. And that's, it's awesome because, um, Cisco, it's like a swing shift kind of thing. So I work at five thirty at night to like two in the morning usually, but I'm getting a lot of extra time with the wife. And so it's, it's been awesome, man. I'm, I'm not taking it for granted. I'm like, uh, I guess kind of treasuring every second I get because I know pretty soon it's going to go back to normal. It will. And then I'll be working all my hours again and everything will go back to normal. But really this time we just like get a lot of time together. So it's really great. Mm. And Jeremy, how about you, man? I mean, we're, we're getting, we've been, man, we started talking about this topic, I think three, three or four podcasts ago. I mean, we've been in it for a while. What are the, what are the lingering effects in the, uh, in the, um, in Jeremy's household? Well, you know, I, I, Built a fence around my garden. Nice. I'm going to be digging up a new garden. I've expanded it by, I don't know, I think 2,000 square feet. Nice. So life wow. is good here, man, and I'm and I'm getting paid. Yeah, you're trying to so, trying to trying hey. to lo- localize or centralize that um, that supply chain, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, the other area I had, but you know, too much nitrogen would fall on it from the trees. So this was a great opportunity and. You know, for Titus's school, what I did is that he had to help me come up with the plan. We did a um, a site plan, um, came up with a material list, and then he's been out there every day helping me put up the fence. So Very cool. it's been good for him to learn that, you know, the construction side of the world. Well, digging holes is great training. Hey, you were supposed to come over and help me, brother. You got to give me the date. So Titus and I had to do that with an auger. No, I'm just kidding. I called Dave over, and um, we we dug up 15 holes with this auger in um, one hour. Fired up. 
All right. We'll get yeah. it. We'll no, get I it. know you weren't supposed to come over. <laughs> I was just giving you crap. Oh, you can give me crap. Uh, but I have been getting enough crap um, here at home, but we're working through it. But, uh, well, cool, man. So however you're managing your COVID issue in your local area, uh, if you want to comment in, um, you know, whether it's through Instagram or shoot us an email, it'd be really cool. Hey, one guy, Jeremy, that's I've been talking with is a, a fellow named Travis from Texas. Now, I talked about him in our last Fitness Friday, but uh, he's been hammering away at the base camp workout. So what you guys need to do is if you are, you know, looking for a way to organize your fitness or to stay fit at home because we know that being active is a part of being healthy, um, head on over to backcountryandbarbells.com and download uh, Basecamp. It's it's free, six-week program, um, and we're really just putting it out there to help. If you have equipment, um, we give you a short list on what you can grab and use. And if you don't have equipment, there's some really cool bodyweight versions where you can uh, get after it. Uh, well, really cool, Alex. So we brought you on more to talk about uh then COVID-19 um uh, I've actually been following your feed on Instagram for a little bit and I I like what you post I like what you're trying to bring up in conversations around hunting um but before we get into that uh where's your where'd your hunting journey start has it always been local here in uh the Pacific Northwest so yeah it has um I've lived here my whole life I was born in Puyallup at Good Sam um, and I've bounced between Washington and Oregon my whole life. Uh, my dad lives down there. My mom lives up here. So I've just spent my whole life uh, running around the hills in both both areas. But the funny thing is that with, with hunting, I really didn't actually dive into hunting until probably I was about 15. So about four, or, I'm sorry, five years ago, six years ago. Um, and so... When I first did that, I, I got a hunting mentor. His name was Nathan Corley. Uh, shout out to him. I know he's going to listen to this afterwards. Um, cool. He got me into duck hunting and goose hunting and stuff like that. We went hunting in, the, um, in Puyallup, actually. I shot my first couple of geese and ducks, and then I was hooked on it from there. From there on out, I was I was solidly hooked on it. So it wasn't um, your old man or a family? It was a friend who dro- drug you along into the hunting space. It was at first, yes. And then um, a couple years after that, I did start going with my dad. He started hunting. Um, he's always kind of like been interested, but he's only really kind of dove himself into it in the last few years as well. Um, so did no, you bring cool. your, so, you brought your dad into it? Uh, no, we kind of both like picked it up at the same time. Just oh, like cool. We we're both going, working our way, like our lives are headed that way at the same time. Nice. Um, I was just a lot younger than him, that's all. So, uh, <laughs> well, you, so uh, it, it's interesting. You're picking it up late. It seems to be an interesting trend. Um, what what about it in particular? You know, I pick up hobbies. Some stick. Some some stay. Uh, archery and, and chasing critters seems to have stayed for, for me personally for lots of reasons. Yeah. What what's the thing in you that says this is part of my life now? This is this is it's in. Dude, there's nothing like it, man. When you are hunting and you're um, when you kill an animal, when you get your own meat, when you are there for the whole process, there's absolutely nothing in the world like it. And you're never going to understand what it's like unless you do it. You know, I tell people that all the time. Um, and so I really just developed a huge passion for it really, really quickly. Um, and so within a couple of years, I wanted to translate that passion over and like I wanted to share it with other people. And so I made my Instagram account, Hunting the Northwest. Um because that's where I live. I love hunting in the Northwest. I wanted to show everybody's success. I didn't want to just show my success. And I wanted um, to show success from like 
all over this region. Um, some some success from like you know more western states too, like Colorado and stuff, Wyoming. I share some stuff from there as well as extreme northwest, um, Alaska and stuff like that. Just to I guess kind of give everybody a really good idea of what it's like out here and just share the beauty that I love so much to everybody else. Yeah, very cool. And I think you do a good job of it. Uh, and before we jump into your feed, which, uh, again, you got, you all should check it out, uh, Hunting the Northwest. But uh, what, what, some specifics. Do you have a uh, – you mentioned some species, uh, geese and duck. Uh, yeah. But do you have a method of take or another species that um, would you would consider your favorite? So I enjoy deer hunting a lot. Um, I really do. And actually this year is my first year I'm going to do um, archery elk. So super pumped about that. I've never done it before. Um, and I've just been, man, between last fall and now I've been in the hills just trying to figure out where the elk are, what they're doing, what they're like. Um, and I mean, I haven't been pressuring them in winter zones at all because, um, I like to be very ethical in my, um, goings on outside. (laughs) And so, uh, I've just been, man, just investing myself into it, you know, like, okay this is what i need this is what i need to do um this is the kind of shape i need to be in so making sure i'm in that good shape making sure i'm ready to go and i mean man it's gonna be fun it's gonna be my first time so i'm excited that's awesome yeah so jeremy yeah, uh um, give give uh give alex a, a tip now I, i'll hammer him on the fitness end of this but uh what's something you think jeremy uh he's going on his first time w- what's something he should be maybe dialed in on uh, well, you know, there's there's a handful of things you need to be dialed in. Especially your shooting is one, which it sounds like he's on that. And then um, sounds like he's doing his scouting. He's getting in physical shape. Um, now it's just getting that mental toughness to be packing in there deep. And if you hear an animal, mm-hmm. you know, down at the bottom of the canyon, you just got to say, "I'm going after it." You can't think about should I or should I not. You just gotta you just gotta do it. Mm. So, so that's good, man. So Alex, who are are you going to be uh, doing this alone for your first time? Are you going solo, or do you have someone who's done some elk hunting before, and you're you're going to be uh, going out with those guys? So honestly, right now it's looking like I'm going pretty solo, man. Oh, fired um, up! Yeah, man. I think I think it's going to be a cool experience just to get out there. And I know most guys, when they start elk hunting, they don't shoot something for their like first, I don't know, five or six years, something like that. Um, and so we're going to see how long it takes me to do it. I'm, uh, I'm really dedicated though. Like, like Jeremy was saying, um, I don't, I don't second guess about going in a Canyon, man. Like, okay. I'll, I'll go all Good. the way. Uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm really dedicated in that way. I think that's uh, something that's played into like my success in the past too, with other things. Um, and it's just, it's something that I want to bring and I really want to experience for myself. And I want, I really want to, I guess, just go out there and make it happen. You know, just that's awesome. Yeah. My make it happen, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. I've, I've hunted with a lot of guys and you know, it's pretty interesting when the, you got an animal, fired up down in the bottom of a hill and it is i mean joe's hunted in the areas that we hunt it, you know sometimes you could be standing up and touching the the hillside and they'll just sit flat out say no i'm not going down there and it's just like what huh. so 
And then it's always one of the things it's a, it's a mental block to a lot of people is just, you know, once you're fully committed and it sounds like you are, then you just got to fully commit, which it sounds like you have the right attitude. And Elkhart, well, I think the interesting thing is, I don't know, I don't know if folks are worried about going down there as much as they're worried about like getting out of there if they do get the animal down. Um, (laughs) So, so with that in mind, I mean, I'll, I, I like elk hunting so much and i was we were talking about this with dan from elk shape in our recent show um go back and check that out folks but i just i like the work i mean to me elk camp and hunting elk reminds me of playing football and that in that moment where even even though i'm still on this this will be my third camp and i'm in that place where i'm looking to get that first elk tag i have been on two successful hunts with jeremy and helps him pack out two two big old critters and I don't think there's any better feeling than packing out an elk and getting back to the, the tailgate with a lot of work done and a lot of meat in the back of the truck. Like it's, it's just amazing. So a uh, question for you here with that in regard is like, what are you doing to prepare for that? Because I'll tell you, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a slobber knocker. Like, uh, it's a heavy ruck. It's, it's brutal. It's not easy. Um, so, so, what are you doing right now to prepare for, for packing out a, a big old elk solo? I mean, you're, you're, I mean, a solo elk pack out, I mean, it, it ain't going to happen in one trip. Oh no. They're looking at like four trips there yep. probably. Yep. Uh, let's, let's get really strong and make it in two, but that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, man, what I've been doing is probably not enough to be real honest with you, man. I've been, uh, I've been hiking a lot, making sure I can do it. Like the wife and I just went out last weekend, um, and I didn't carry enough weight, but we um, climbed the top of the mountain as quick as we could. There you go. Um, and just, I guess, kind of seeing where I'm at, like physically, exactly what I can handle. Um, and so right now, like, I'm very confident to say, like, I could pack out 75 pounds um, per trip. I could do, I could do as long as I wanted to. Um, and just, that's kind of like, it goes hand in hand with my job as well, because my job is like, it's the most physical job I've, um, I've ever known to be in existence it's uh it's a really hard job most people would think that from working at cisco but lots of guys there actually don't even last 10 years uh because they throw their backs out because they aren't lifting properly and stuff so it's a lot of weight so you're Um, just moving you're moving a lot of freight around i mean carrying boxes things like that like kind of like a moving like a moving feller yeah so basically uh it's a warehouse job so we throw about 1500 cases a night and those cases are up to like 100 pounds Mm. Um, and so it's a lot of lifting and throwing, but saying that, like, I, I realize it's still not enough. And so maybe I need to, um, stay in touch with you guys and, uh, get myself on a good elk shape routine oh, yeah. to make sure I'm ready to go. Well, you're, you're on the right podcast, sir. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. well, I would, I would just advice for me is like, you know, from me, excuse me, would be, I would look for training opportunities that would contrast what you're doing most of the time. It sounds like to me, like with your job, your shift is probably anywhere from, you know, three to eight hours of kind of slow, steady work where you're picking stuff up, putting it down. So, I mean, honestly, if you're going to contrast that with training, um, because you're already doing like the grinding part of maybe what would happen in elk camp, I would look for more opportunities that are going to pressure and put and um, that are going to provide you with opportunities that are going to like ramp up your intensity. So rather than you're yeah. already hiking, 
you're already doing all that long, slow stuff during your day. So maybe if you got a moment to train, you take 20 minutes and, and do like 40 yard sprints. Or if you have 30 minutes oh, to train, yeah, if you have 30 minutes to train, maybe you'd like to, since you're already picking up moderate loads all the time with your boxes and they're kind of awkward carries, you might, you might respond really yeah. well to like some, some heavy barbell work. So, you know, if, if you are looking to ramp right. up your training, I don't think that should be super crazy, but if you contrast what's going on at your job, I think you'll experience some success and you won't burn yourself out. I mean, a lot of folks can screw the training up by all of a sudden they're getting hurt because they're doing too much. So look for contrast, not, yeah. not, um, yeah, look for contrast, what you're doing most of the time. So, and I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Usually when I get that comment from guys or they, they're saying they don't want to go down there, it's at, it's, it's the last, you know, a couple hours of the day and it's, they're exhausted <laughs> and they're just like, Oh man, we just, you just took me up and down this stupid mountain for the last yeah. eight miles. I don't want to go down. You know, it's funny how you can just talk yourself out of something because you're tuckered out. Yeah. And I, I agree with mm -hmm. Joe, you know, you got to get that endurance. Yeah. So go long. I mean, that, and that's the thing too. Like I think some sneaky fitness tips to get ready for elk camp would be stand more than you sit during the day, you know, be used to, you know, simply get used to being on your dang feet. You know what I mean? I think that's the problem. If you go from nothing to everything, you're going to have a really rough three days, you know what I mean? Or, or the, yeah. the first three days you might get through. And then if you do have a long elk camp, you know, that, that last seven are going to be a real shit show. So, uh, <laughs> watch out for that. But, um, so, so moving on to why we brought you onto the show, Alex, um, is, is your feed, this, this hunting the Northwest situation is a cool one. And, um, pretty recently you've, you've got, gotten some really cool posts that have gotten my attention. And, um, in our previous conversations, uh, well, I'll let you tell the audience, like when you started the feed, um, you mentioned previously that the goal was you wanted to expose people to your, to your passion for hunting. Um, and then, and now that the feed has yeah. generated a pretty decent following, um, you're really close to getting a hundred thousand followers, which is pretty neat, but what's the goal with, with the feed and, and your ideas behind hunting the Northwest? So that's a good question. So my goal is to, um, start creative conversations around hunting camp, man. I want, I want people to start thinking about things, uh, because I get a lot of, a lot of people, and there's a lot of Instagram accounts out there um, who just, they just post things that would, if you're not already a hunter, would turn a lot of people off from hunting. That just seem really like gnarly, the really um, weird kind of stuff. And it, it turns people off of hunting and it just, and it turns to people who already like kind of don't really have very many set ethics in it. It makes them seem more like, like it's just like a, a throwdown, you know, instead of something that we're doing for a reason. And something that is like works on both sides because we're, we're taking an animal and um, I, I really want to start those creative conversations um, around the taking of the animal and uh, more and more about the ethics of it. So like when I post, I want, I want something that I post to reach somebody and be like, oh, well, I never thought about that. I want to change my conduct while I'm in the woods so that way I am being more ethical or maybe so when people see me hunting, they are um, turned off by it. They want to learn more or maybe they're happy by what they see. Yeah. And, and I think actually, I think you do a pretty decent job of that. And I mean, to bring up a post that, that I think actually is a really interesting conversation is um, uh, you did a post a couple back 
that that I commented on, and and as a as a new hunter myself, pretty much it it, it makes you think about how to do things. Uh, and it's actually something that I know Jeremy teaches hunter safeties and hunter safety, and I know that this was brought up when I taught hunter safety, and it seems to be something that is. But it's like even how do you get your animal out of the woods? And and you you did this interesting picture of a guy in a jeep and he's got two deer stacked up on the back of his tire and then and the thought is like you know is this is this the ethical way to go on this and and what's your what's the hunter's responsibility uh to the rest of society um when when they're kind of parading or pulling out or packing out their animal um so so with that post i mean when you when you initially saw it or made it i mean what what conversation were you hoping to get when you when you put that out? So I see a lot of people, even myself, um, in the hunting woods. That um, I mean, rightfully so, they want to show off their hard work. That like they've put their back into getting this animal, and they want to show it off. Like, look, this is my success. Um, which I mean, happens. Everybody wants like you know to be recognized for their success. Um, and I think you have to kind of catch that you have to kind of catch what you're doing there and realize that a lot of people don't necessarily understand um, all the success that comes from a hunt. They, all they are seeing is what you're displaying. Right. And so um, like this picture I posted um, people driving past that, let's say he was um, in the art areas was he was driving through Puyallup like that. I guarantee you people in Puyallup, most of them wouldn't be like, man, that guy probably worked really hard to get those animals, <laughs> his success, and uh, he's filling his freezer. I, I guarantee most people wouldn't see that. They would see a guy driving around with two animals that he killed on the back of his truck or back of his Jeep, and that's all they would see, and that's all they would know of it, you know? And so I feel like as a hunter, it is our responsibility to make sure that we are displaying ourselves properly and respectfully, both of ourselves, the animal, and um, being respectful to the rest of society who necessarily doesn't know. And a lot of people disagree with that, which I kind of find surprising because they're like, oh, well, they can't tell me how to live and um, stuff like that, which is very true. No one can tell you what to do, how to act, how to live. Um, but there comes a point where you can lose rights. It kind of goes with like, well, yes, you can, but should you? You know sure. what I mean? So, so Jeremy, I know you teach hunter safety, and I know that the guy who taught my course uh, here in Washington um, over what is that? I think I think I took hunter safety in your neck of the woods, actually, Alex. And uh, is, is isn't that like Boone and Crockett Gun Club out there, or uh, the Dan? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's Jeremy. Just, do you know what I'm talking about out in Puyallup? There's a, there's a there's like a there's a there's a gun club out. In- well, there's the sportsman's. Yeah, there's it's the. Uh, Oh, what is it? Oh, dang it! It's the Puyallup Sportsmen's Club, right? Yeah, I think yeah. But for some reason, isn't there like a? For well, some reason, I'm hung up on that that big ass blue bulls right around there or something. Uh, whatever. I digress. But uh. <laughs> but, but, but 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 Jeremy, yeah, it's funny where my mind wants to take things. But there's actually a good question here. Like Jeremy. I, I bring it up because in that hunter safety course, you know, at wherever that dang place is like that same thing happened. Like the guy's like, Hey man, you should think about how you're going to get it out too. And and you probably want to avoid going through the Wendy's drive through, you know, with, with all kinds of stuff and and blood and guts and, and and be mindful of wearing camo and this and that. Now I know you teach hunter safety, Jeremy, where do you think, um, 
you know, your opinion on this and, and toting, you know, toting your critters around respectfully and ethically. I mean, I think there's a practical way to do things and there are some ethics and sometimes that can be grain between. Well, this particular one, you know, and when people show the whole, you know, it's not the carcass, but the whole body, what have you, it, the first thing that comes to mind is like, you dipshits. I mean, really, you, you don't, there's there's blood showing all over the place. You can see where it's been gutted. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So what you, what you need to do is if you're going to be going hunting and you don't have a proper game bag that will cover the whole um, cavity, you know, from the feet all the way up to the neck, I mean, showing the, the antlers is okay, but you got to cover everything up and then strap it down. You can't just strap it down on the back of rig. And if you don't have the proper one, quarter it up. Or at least do it in halves and throw it in the game bags. So is this a, is this mm-hmm. a more of a personal opinion for you, Jeremy, or is this something that 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 you've kind of picked up through like? Uh... No, it's it, it's it's like Alex is saying. It's on an ethical standpoint. I mean, not everybody, especially us in Washington and in Oregon, where it's pretty liberal, and we're already you know having to battle left and right to have, keep our right to hunt. This does not help our cause because people are like. That is so gross, and a lot of people get very, very offended by it. I mean, I'm offended by it, and I'm a hunter, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I just because of the display of it and how it is, you know, and how they tied it down and threw it on the back of the jeep. I mean, I understand it's a jeep, but you could quarter it up, take the extra time, and I understand if somebody wants to take it to their garage and hang it up and then skin it and have it skin it whole, but buy the proper game bag they have game bags that will cover a whole deer yeah well yeah i and i think i have a couple of them they get that get that moose size you can work it out um <laughs> yeah i've done it you know hey you, you do it do what you can so 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 i guess i mean so you're in agreement with alex in the sense that like one of the things to consider before you go in the woods is what your success looks like to folks who are ignorant to actually what hunting really is and to, and to would you you guys would put more of the social responsibility on the hunter for going into the woods to know just in the same way that you're going to you have to know firearm safety you should also probably take into account who's looking around because they they Absolutely. probably don't know yeah i think that's a good point because i mean if, if you really value hunting you're going to want other people to um like notice it and you're going to want other people to like, if you, if you truly value it, you're, you really want other people to value it as well. They want, you want, you want other people to support it. And by being negligent in your carryout routine, uh, you know, you can really, really harm your own self um, with your love of hunting by doing something like that. So let me ask you this, Alex, and this, this is one that, this is one that, you know, this particular post that you guys should all check out again, um, it's on uh, Alex's feed. And I think I think this is like a live version of actually what you'd like to do rather than having some uh, comments, Alex. It's actually a live conversation about it. But um, what, uh, something that's like this, but not yeah. seen as egregious to some people might even be a gripping grin. And um yeah, my my yeah. kind of opinion on gripping grins, just to kind of bring it out, and and actually, you know, going back to your feed, we can look at one, you know, uh, a post that's not too long ago. You have a you have a pretty cool uh, grip and grin with two guys with, with a with a pretty much a, it looks like a monster grizz. Now, uh, yeah, they go. Yeah, um, 
like in, and I could even see to some folks they might say a grip and grin is as egregious as stacking two deer on a Jeep tire. Um, so as, as we really, this might be a harder conversation to have amongst hunters. Like where, where, what, what is your stance on, on the idea of grip and grinning as opposed to, you know, again, stacking Jeeps, uh, stacking deer on the back of a Jeep? Man. So that is, that's a lot, uh, deeper question. There's a lot more, uh, debatable aspects of that question. So, um, for me, a grip and grin is okay. As long as it is thoroughly explained or shown to the right crowd. Um, and so that is something actually that's probably changed a lot in, um, my recent, in my recent years, um, hunting, like in the last couple, I'd probably say. So, um, if you go extra far down, I did post a picture of a um, young girl who sent me this picture. She was really excited to get her first buck posted and it's a gripping grin. Um, and for me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, man. Like, as long as you're being respectful, um, there's nothing wrong if you want to share your success. And especially if you take it and you say, okay, look, so this is what I did. This is my first deer that I've ever shot. Like, I'm thankful for what this deer did. Like, it, I took its life, yes, and it's going to feed my family. And it was a lot of hard work. And if you're telling the story with it, then it's great. But maybe if you're, like, going and posting a picture on um, – I don't know, like random place on Facebook where there's a whole bunch of people who are already kind of edgy on Instagram or on Facebook or something like that. And you're um, kind of seeming a little cocky with it. Then, yes, I would say that's wrong. So so I guess the difference between posting uh, a grip and grin on hunting the Northwest and throwing two Jeep, throwing two deer on the back of the Jeep is a matter of the Jeep is going to be seen by everybody, but to some degree there's a curation yeah. process with your feed because, you know, it's a hunting feed and you should probably expect to see dead animals on a hunting feed. Yes. And so, um, there, man, the gripping green thing, man, it's, it's different and it's crazy. It's wild. Um, the, because for a while I never even considered that to be a debatable thing. You know, it's just, it's like part of hunting culture almost the gripping green is sure. Um, because, I mean, that's that's pretty much what everybody does. You know, you go, you shoot your big animal, you do a gripping grin, and uh, you have at it. And I think your story, or I think the story along with that is super important for people who don't understand. You know what I mean? And maybe that's almost a challenge for me, too, to make sure that I'm properly um, explaining the story and explaining what's happening every time I do post a gripping grin or, like, post someone else's success or my own success. Um, just because you're right, it is very, very important that people understand that story and understand that. And if you're doing it in a way where you can't explain it, then it's great. But like the back of the deer, everyone, or the deer on the back of the Jeep, everyone who sees it, they have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and when, and when you're talking hunting, you're, you are talking about the fact that, you know, an animal is going to die, you know, and, 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 and I think yeah. there's, a, there's a real truth and a recognition of that i think you know and german just to bring you back into it you know i've told you my stance on what i think grip and grins are like yeah i think they're okay um but where i i kind of feel like if you're trying to bring new hunters into the fold you know before they can understand that an animal is going to die they probably need to understand more of why you're trying to do that and you know for me that's I want to be part of the food system. There's a neat challenge in it and that. And, but I would even say even within that conversation, 
I don't know if I would show a grip and grin to somebody who didn't know I was a hunter first. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, and, and I think when you do a grip and grin, it has to be tasteful, right? You can't have the arrows pointing out of it or sticking out of it when you take the picture and then post it. You can't have like big gnarly bloody spots I think I think there's a way you could do it where it's tasteful and everybody can appreciate it. But when you see a lot of blood or a big giant entrance wound or exit wound, I mean, you probably shouldn't use that picture. You should try to get a more face-on type picture and then post that one. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, you just have to do it to where it's everybody can accept it, and not be grossed out. Because sometimes guys will take pictures of them and there's just like. You can still see the blood all bubbled up on it from the long shot, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, and you're it's just kind of like, man, you, uh, you don't really need that picture. You can take another direction, and I mean, you see it a yeah. lot in the hunting videos now, even that they don't even when they're filming it, they try not to show that part of the uh, the the animal when they're doing their um, their filming. Yeah, do do you guys think that the size of do you guys think that the size of the perceived audience has something to do with it? Like, you know, for you know, again, um I haven't posted a I haven't posted social uh, about, you know, my grip and grin last year with a turkey, right? Jeremy, it's a cool memory for me. You put me on that bird. The picture that we took together is important to me and I'm not afraid to show that to people like in my house. But like even I probably wouldn't put that in my classroom at school. Just because, you know, people come into my house, they probably have some context. They know I'm a hunter. Um, they know I'm getting into this. Um, they know it's important to me. But even though it would be like, example, I wouldn't bring it into my classroom because these are kids that might not know I'm a hunter. These are a lot more people. So in a general sense, Alex, do you think volume to your feed, you know, right now, you know, you again, you're you're coming close to 100,000 people. And even though that, you know, your feed is you know it's it's obvious it's a hunting feed do you th- does does the volume does the volume bring on some responsibility regarding what you post and, and how you post it absolutely man there's without a doubt it brings on um a responsibility for example last week alone um i reached almost four hundred thousand people hmm. with my account and so four hundred thousand people man that's a lot of people and that's a lot of people who probably don't hunt you know sure. they're just looking at it you know what i mean and maybe they don't have a problem with it and i think it's i think it it brings on more responsibility but at the same time i think that you should kind of be set with your ethics um no matter what so i think that if you feel morally obligated to not do a grip and grin um i think you should stay away from that or if you like no matter your audience um just because it it helps like consistency is always very important you know what i mean like in your own life, I believe it's important to be consistent with what you with what you want to do and what how you believe and um, what you're going to show people. And so that being said, you know there are there are different things that you can um, bring up in hunting camp that you would normally bring up um, in front of everybody, as long as you're not you know being rude or something like that. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, again, like you said, volume matters. In the same context that I might make yeah. a interesting joke you know, at the dinner table amongst friends, that, that joke probably will fall on deaf ears in my middle school classroom. Like, it's just, I think there's just some context that needs to to come along with certain things. And, you know, and to be honest, I, I also think the other side of this is like, not to, I think the one thing I don't like about social media culture is like this, 
this almost looking to be offended and looking to react and you and you almost react a certain way on a on a social post that you would never act in public like i've never kind of flown off the handle and said certain things that i've commented and i've been i've been i've been guilty of it before and that knee-jerk reaction just seems to be pretty intense in a in a social setting um rather than it would be personally because personally you know you you can you can measure yourself you want to be measured in public and and you can build some context which just isn't there in that social in that in that kind of social media setting have you have you experienced some of that kind of comment war stuff or or what i'm trying to get at when you make some of these more uh you know controversial posts and as your feed grows in popularity yes and so that actually leads into a post that i want to discuss that i did uh, a while back so this is actually by um a guy that i'm pretty sure lots of people know his name is marcus hockett he is um randy newberg's cameraman um for Fresh Tracks TV. And he took a picture a long time ago, posted on Facebook, and it resurfaced. Um, and with his blessing, I, I shared it um, to kind of bring a point. I only My only uh, caption was this uh, a picture that speaks a thousand words. And what the picture is, if you scroll down through my feed, is it's two deer legs stuck in a fence with the body, just, with the body gone. And it is kind of like a, one of those graphic pictures. It's the bones with the hooves. Um, but it's a really important picture for people to see, um, in my opinion, because it gets conversations started around, okay, look, so fences on public land are actually um, a danger to wildlife. Hmm. Um, and especially if they're poorly maintained, they're not visible, like a bunch of loose wire everywhere. Um, man, they, they do kill deer. and they're, they're a big thing that kills wildlife. And um, personally, like I, I would have to say that if a, if a fence is on public land, I think it should be very well maintained or um, taken down. Um, and there's, there's gotta be some other ways to go about doing this. And so that's just something I wanted to start, um, I guess conversation on, but I'm surprised at how many people called me out saying like I was dumb for posting something like that. And that I just don't know what I'm talking about and everything else. They're like, Oh, well, how many cougars kill deer? And then it just like, it leads into a different kind of conversation where like, okay, well, cougars are a natural part of things and fences are not. Mm. Um, and so it brings up this interesting conversation that a lot of people, um, don't feel good about. And I was actually talking to uh, meat eater, Sam Lundgren about this too. Um, and he gave me some good advice. I was like, Hey man, what, what do I do about this? Because he's been in the social game a lot longer than I have and stuff like that. And, um, with more audience than I have. Um, and he said, basically, man, just, he said, well, yes, it's good. It's good what you're doing people are going to come at it like that. You know, people are going to be offended because I guess um, he, he also agreed with a few other people that um, if you, if something to somebody else feels like you're attacking their way of life, they get more offended, Hmm. which I mean, makes sense. Um, And so that was like something really interesting that um, I learned and that he helped me, he helped me learn a little bit more was that, Yes, bringing up these controversial subjects will start arguments and it will make people, um, certain people upset at what like you believe in. But at the same time, that's okay because you got to stand for something. You know what I mean? Sure. And, like, and you, you got to stand. 
and and I'll be honest, I don't know that a disagreement is a problem as much as like even the yeah. word argument is a little different where, okay, step back and think about exactly. why they're doing it. So to, to, to stick with this post and we'll link it into the show notes if you guys want to follow along with us and uh, I just sent it to Jeremy. Um, specifically, when you talk about getting people worked up over by when you show a post, all of a sudden it's alternative to their view of things. And, and you can see this in different topics, yeah. even in nutrition. You know, a guy who's a carnivore guy posts a big steak and it offends somebody who's a, who's, you know, a vegetarian. I get it. But so specifically, if we look at this post with the, um, with, with the, what is it? Antelope, the antelope legs in the fence. Uh, what, what aspects of somebody's life do you think were being challenged that kind of got them upset? So when I was commenting on fences, um, even though I was like specifically saying public land and stuff like that, people took it um, personally when I was talking about um, just like how fences should be maintained and what like I believe there should be more regulation regarding it. Uh, because um, there's mainly people who came from farming or agricultural backgrounds, you sure. know, they're like, well, look, fences are a way of life. Like they have to be there, which absolutely I completely agree. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't better ways of doing it. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, and so I don't. That's that's kind of where people took offense to it, I guess, to put put it simply. So what do you think, Jeremy? I, I sent you that picture. I mean, the the controversy behind it. I mean, do you see it? Do you agree with it? And and do you have any general comments on it? You know, I I really don't. It just it just to me it's. It's life on the plains right now. I mean, there's fences everywhere. They're a little better now than they ever have been. And every now and then you get one that gets caught up in it. I mean, it's a it's a mm. tough it's a tough thing to kind of swallow sometimes because, you know, growing up in Idaho and around a lot of farmers and um ranchers, they do need fences to, you know, identify their cattle and keep it separated from the other guy's cattle and um, Absolutely. and just, and just a general property line and to keep people out. I mean, that's the big thing is keeping people out from poaching in on your land. Yeah. Yeah. Land. Yeah. I, definitely... I I'm sorry, Alex, you can go and I interrupted you, buddy. Oh no, you're fine. So, um, it's definitely, it's a necessary thing, you know, and that's where people did take offense to it saying like, I'm, I almost wonder if people weren't necessarily thinking like I was, um, doing a call to action to eliminate all fences from the landscape, which is absolutely incorrect because that's, that's not even feasible. You know, that's, that's something we can't even think about doing. Um, and many hunters rely on fences to understand property lines. So that way they know they're not trespassing. Um, and so fences are definitely necessary. And I believe, um, on private land, you should be able to do whatever you want to do, you know, put up as many fences as you want. It's your land. Um, but it's like the, the specifics of public land, um and fencing um that's especially like neglected fencing so fencing that's no longer in use but it's still there you know um and there's a lot of great groups that go out there uh, i don't i don't know the name of anyone in particular but i know there's groups of people out there that go and they take down fences and pack the wire out of public land um and oh, they put cool. a lot of work into it yeah because they do believe like okay and i would um, agree with you alex on that Say again, Jeremy. When it comes yeah. to public land, I, I agree with Alex on the public land. I mean, it does need to be cleaned up because I mean, there's a lot of pictures out there too where a bull will have it all just wound up in his antlers, and I mean, that's 
that's pretty dangerous. And and if it's not maintained properly, that stuff just cuts up everything. It drags out. I mean, I've had a lot of my, um, I'm a big bird hunter and my dogs will be out hunting in a field, if, you know, chucker hunting and they'll come back and their whole chest will be sliced wide open because they've got cut on a piece of um, barbed wire. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, it kind of, yeah, it goes to show like there's, there's something that, I don't know necessarily that there is anything um, that we can absolutely change right now, but it's like I said before, I want to start those creative conversations around the camp, you know, that people are like, okay, well maybe this is an issue and we should address it as such, you know what I mean? Instead of just kind of blowing past it. Yeah. And you know, to be honest, I think social media, that's a place where social media can do that. Like, and I think it serves a, I think it serves a really strong purpose because, you know, people are paying attention to it. And if, if you can, if you can engage in the conversation in a thoughtful way and even go into it, knowing like you probably want to go into that conversation, knowing you're not going to change anybody's mind, but maybe just present, (laughs) but but if you can present an idea or if you can present a topic that's going to plant a seed that might, that might, get them to engage a little bit more ethically or differently or, or more towards your point of view. I think that's the way to go. I think the big fault that folks make with social media is they, they try to operate in these absolutes. And if I say this, this person has to do that. Well, if anyone here has been married or has a girlfriend or, or has buddies, like, you know, that that doesn't happen. Like when you have a disagreement with someone, people are, people are more up front, probably going to dig in and try and protect their ego more than they're going to change anything. So I've kind of, you know, exactly. learning as I've gone, done, been dealing with some of this, that's the stance I'll take. Like, oh, okay, let me see if I can't plant something that'll get a talk going, knowing that I'm just not going to accomplish anything today. But if you can keep coming back to it, maybe something will move later down the line. Exactly. That's a good point. That's, it's interesting, man. It's it's a it's an aspect of society that, you know, if, if we go back to even our initial conversation with covid you know, 19, like it's not going away. It's only going to intensify. And as things like social distancing um, become part of like the lexicon and even now as, as just that's the current way we have to do most of our things, like people are going to get into, um, you know, they're going to get into more telecommunication more than they are even personal stuff. So I, I don't, I don't think it's going anywhere. So maybe having some rules with it. Um, uh, so, so let me ask you this, uh, Alex, for you as someone who's trying yeah. to develop a following and conversations around uh, around you know social posting and we just kind of had a cool back and forth about a couple things for you what's what's success mean for you in regards to um to you know hunting the northwest i mean is a successful post one that gets a lot of likes one that generates followers for you for a guy who's trying to develop a social following what's successful for you so a, a successful post for me man there's there's different levels of success and there's different kinds of success. Um, so the, the one that people will jump to, I guess quickly would probably be one that, uh, goes viral. You know, one that gets like 200,000 people see it, you get 50 to 200 followers off of it and you're doing, or more followers than that. And lots of comments, lots of interaction that, that is, um, a form of a successful post, but you know, recently, man, in the last little bit here, for me, really, uh, a successful post has really become one that people can relate to um, and or one that gets people thinking. Um, and so if I do a post and let's say 
it only reaches half the amount of people that I normally do. But there's some people in that are like, you know, this is a good point. I never really thought about this. I'm going to start talking about this and um, doing more about this. Or if it encourages them to um, join a conservation group or start doing stuff um, or something of their own or change their conduct to, I guess, more respectfully hunt. Um, I think that's more of a successful post for me, man. I, I want to, I like seeing um, something make a difference. Like I don't, I don't need to change the world, man, but if I can help out, you know, some people along the way, that's, that's success for me. So even to get a little bit specific with that is, is, is the views of a post or the comments that folks will leave on it? Is that more of an indicator for, for someone trying to develop a following or does it matter? So if you're, if you're trying to develop a following, if you're really like looking at um, trying to gain traction in the outdoor world, or if you want to, um, I don't know, just introduce yourself to it in social media and stuff like that, what you really, really want to do, I'll just kind of walk you through a simple process that may, that'll make sense. Um, you want to be, you want to post consistent quality content that people are going to like, they're going to relate to, and they're going to want to show other people because by them showing other people, that's how your post gains traction and could potentially go viral. Hmm. Um, so that's really what you're looking for. You, you want to be, the consistency is the biggest thing because once you get one post that goes viral, if you follow it up with another banger right after that, <laughs> uh, the odds are that one might go viral too. And you can, the longer you can keep that train rolling, like I've seen guys and even I've had it before. I've kept that viral train rolling for months at a time and gain like that was my biggest gaining was probably like 30,000 followers in a couple months. Very cool. Um, and so, and that's just cause I stuck on that viral train. I, um, it's just that consistency. I've had a hard time getting back to it though. Let me tell you, I don't know all the stuff that's going on, but, um, no, it's just, and it's, it's a whole not giving up thing too. You know, like if you're going to be a hunter and you're going to learn to hunt elk, you know, like I'm doing, you can't be, if you're the type of guy who quits, then going back back to consistency, um, if you're going to be the type of guy who quits at this, and this is like sitting on your couch doing something, then you know you're not going to be very successful outdoorsman either. Hmm. Um, just being consistent in your whole life, I believe, is uh, very important. And so um, that's something I try to like. I try to live by like consistency, and people see that on Instagram, and it, it, they like it. They like to see consistent, um, good content, and so. That's what that's what I throw out there. I'm fired up, man. I, I attempt to. Well, there, there's one yes, there, there's one last there's one last post that I think that you know as we as we look at current hunting seasons coming up, uh, one that I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, for one, it's entertaining, it's interesting, uh, and, and I want to get as close to a turkey as this fella. Is um, where do you yeah. <laughs> how how do you find and curate your content because. Uh, it's pretty cool. Even this one post that you found, this guy, you know, he's got a turkey decoy. He's he's doing. Is he is he calling to in this video? But he gets so dang close. And I know he's got a decoy. It looks like he's got a decoy planted. He's got a decoy in his hand. He's he's all camoed up. But this guy gets so dang close to a turkey, he grabs a dang thing. Dude, I want to meet this guy so bad. Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, he just grabs the turkey, man. Like, grabs it, right? It, it's mating the decoy. Like, this turkey is literally mating with the decoy, and he sneaks right up to it. And there's also a group of other toms, and he grabs it by its feet, and he's holding it um, by kind of like its head and feet kind of thing, but gently at the same time. 
Um, man, my dad actually sent me this video and I thought it was the funniest thing. And really by me posting, it, I'm trying to figure out who on earth is this dude? Um, while at the same time, like being conscientious, conscientious about the uh, ethics of it too. Um, and most people aren't necessarily that against it because he wasn't like being rude or disrespectful to the turkey in any way. He just kind of like caught it. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, yeah, it's but, interesting. So and I'll be honest, uh, not to not to cut you off there, but I'm honest too. Like, do, yeah. do you see that there's a line between birds and like other mammals? I feel like, I feel like yeah. between birds and fish, <laughs> no, seriously, between birds and fish, people let a lot slide that they won't let slide with, yeah. with, with mammals. Yeah. Like we would never have had that grip and grin conversation about a trout. No, you know what I mean? Never. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely so, right, man. I never thought of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's what people kind of relate to and what they, because people attribute a different level of emotion to different animals. And that's based a lot around what they see on TV or social media. Bro, I'll tell you what, um, I think it's in the eyes. I mean, I think when you look at a mammal and you, you look so? at it, oh, yeah, I think when you look, I remember looking at Jeremy's cow and I remember, I've, you know, coming eye to eye. I remember locking eyes with, with yeah. the deer this year, you know, not too far from where you are, oh, to be okay, honest. Yeah. And that, there's like, yeah. there's a real connection. But like when I look at a bird or a fish, it could be live or what, there, I just, I don't think there's much behind there. You know, there ain't, I don't think there's and anything you know, working. You know, um, that's funny you say that because when I shot uh, mule deer buck a couple years ago, um, I, I shot it straight through the shoulders, um, but I was actually pretty close to it. And it, it like, it didn't run. It like turned and looked at me, you know, and I had shot this thing straight through both lungs and it just turned and looked at me and just sat there. And it was kind of like a, well, this is kind of interesting moment, you know, like that I had. And I, I don't know if I'm ever going to forget that, you know, sure. Um, just, uh, the, because you're right, there is there is definitely like a different a different uh, vibe with uh, mammals and almost like a different intellectual level I would say within them, um, and so yeah man it was it was weird I still think about it all the time like that deer just turned around and looked at me and I was like what this is this is different you know because I don't know if it knew what was going on I don't know if it had any idea about anything you know but I knew what was going on you know I think you both did. well my wife. <laughs> My wife was a hunter until the day the deer stared and looked at her, and then it was game over. Well, talk oh, about what happened. She wouldn't, she wouldn't hunt. She wouldn't hunt anymore. What was the? Uh, huh. Give us give a little more context. What was going on? That this was like a. Um, you guys were on an elk so or when, deer hunt. We lived in. Yeah, we lived in Pocatello, Idaho, and then we were um, we were just freshly into hunting. Um, I think it was the second season, and um, oh. we're on a hike, and there was a group of deer, and they were looking at her, and she was looking at them, and she after that she. She said, they're too damn cute. I, I won't be able to ever kill one. <laughs> so she's never, huh. she's never hunted since. 1996. Yeah, 96. But she'll eat one, right? 96. We know this. Oh, she'll, she she loves eating them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, she gets all intrigued when I'm gutting them and um, doing all that other kind of, you know, harvest, doing the whole harvest thing. She's all intrigued, but she, she won't be able to, she's not able to do it herself. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's. That's interesting. It, yeah. Well, it certainly is, and I think it goes back to even what you said, Alex, in the beginning of the show, and why you're intrigued by hunting, because it like it just encapsulates so much. And I think one of the reasons it's different than anything else is because it probably includes 
as much of anything else as any other thing you're going to be doing. I mean, I can't think of any aspect of life that like a successful hunt isn't going to include. I mean, you got to harvest food. There's camaraderie with friends. You know, there's managing boredom. There's high levels of excitement. I mean, I I just, if I think of anything worthwhile that I've ever done, I could probably relate it back to hunting in some way. Yeah, man, absolutely. So, um, well, super interesting, man. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's, it's interesting chat. And, um, you know, is one of the reasons I wanted to at least discuss fitness in terms of hunting is because I've noticed that, you know, a lot of times uh, hunters that I've been in camp with or old timers who've been doing it a long time, they just they don't exhibit um, they don't exhibit uh, a great knowledge of fitness or, or they're, they're not looking to attain it. And I actually don't see that, you know, this social media thing, um, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't ring as something that would be very hunter forward. So I think it's really cool that, that you come on and you can talk about, you know, a social media perspective, um, on the topic of hunting. I think it's a great way to do what you're trying to do and get conversations going. Yeah, man. I, that's, that's all I really want to do. I just, I just want to get people thinking, get people talking, you know, um, help them grow creatively and constructively. You know what I mean? If a little constructive criticism helps people or if a little, um, extra creativity helps somebody then you know um i just i just want to help people be better hunters you know and better stewards of what we have around us you know like be be a good steward of what god gave us you know take care of it and uh make sure it's there for, for your kids to enjoy for their kids to enjoy you know all right well before we let you leave this podcast there is one last topic we got to bring up and, and it's an important one for all you hunters out there so so alex good or bad I need you to to tell me a story really quick about taking care of your feet in the woods, and and, and oh boy, I maybe got maybe like a foot story going good or a foot story going great. What you got for us? A foot story gone good or gone great? Uh, no, gone terrible or great. You pick. You, oh, I'll let you oh, go with it. Okay. So I I wore these boots, man, and they were not <laughs> broken in properly. Um, this was probably three years ago, four years ago, I got brand new boots and, uh, man, I was wearing them and I, they were pressing really hard on the back of my ankle, like just would not give up, man. They were just going and going, but I, I had to wear them. They're all I had. Um, we were way far out of town and out in the middle of nowhere. So I stuck with them for a few days. And by the time I got back, my whole foot was numb, Mm. um, because it was like crushing the nerves in there. And it was just a bad situation, man. Jeremy, uh, can you relate to that story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last year, Alex, I, I we were turkey hunting. We put on, I don't know how many miles in four days. What was it? <laughs> 50 or 60 miles. And uh, yeah. my boots, uh, they tore my heels up, man. The blisters oh. were so bad. It was, I, I, Joe was looking at me a few times. I couldn't even walk, but I did it. <laughs> well yeah. we we had talked about it leading up to the the hunt the importance of breaking in boots um but uh <laughs> yeah. i i i have a i do have a suggestion for you guys you know uh if if you are caught in a pinch and you got new boots going into the season and you and you can't break them in enough probably you know there is something you can put in between your feet and the boots that might comfort your feet and uh jeremy might we make a suggestion on getting into some ellsworth socks 
Heck yeah, man. This year, I on um, what was that, our late season hunt? Yes, sir. I had a brand new pair of boots. I only wore them two times, put 10 miles on them. And before that hunt, Joe, what did we hike in, five miles? Oh, gee whiz, I don't know. I mean, when it's so funny. Four or five in and then five out. We put in about 10 miles a day. Brand new pair of boots, Kinetrex, stiff shank. I had my Ellsworth socks on, and I never got a hot spot or a blister. There it is. There's one more endorsement for the most advanced socks you're ever going to find guys uh climb higher go further stay drier with Ellsworth socks uh you know we're gonna have to do alex you know i know you've done some product testing for acubo but you're gonna have to link up with jeremy and try these things out i think i think they might help you out but um you know feet do that that'd be cool man i'm excited yeah feet 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 are really important and i can't say enough how you need to take care of them i mean if if something's going to ruin your hunt besides weather I almost would guarantee, or maybe, actually, there is a lot that can go wrong. You know, there could be a new broadhead clipping your bowstring. A lot could go down. But the 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 most uh, the thing that's probably going to tear your the thing that's probably going to tear you up most uh, most likely is going to be your feet. And um, so watch out for that, guys. Yeah, man. And Ellsworth. Yeah, you're reminded you every step you take <laughs> when you jack your feet up, man. Well, there it is, guys. Yeah. But um, no, but seriously, Alex, before we let you leave, the last thing we do want to let you do on the podcast here is uh, if folks want to follow your feed, if folks want to reach out to you, or if folks have like a, a cool picture or post that they think might be thought-provoking um, to share on your feed, uh, how do they reach out to you? So you can find me on Instagram, hunting the Northwest, all one word. Um, and if you have something like that that's thought-provoking or something you want to share, man, absolutely message me. I try to get back to everybody. I mean, I, I don't get back to everybody because I get a lot of messages, but I will most likely get back to you if you message me. Um, and man, please share those photos. And also uh, stay tuned because I've got a giveaway coming up here with um, Onyx Maps, uh, Felt Game Calls, Kestrel Knives, and Peak Refuel. We're going to do a big giveaway. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, getting free out calls and junk like that, head over man it'll be great i will say that like the hunting community like the guys who have products they give a lot of shit away like (laughs) yeah they do man yeah they they they, they do a lot of that on the instagram too so um if anything uh alex can hook you up and get you some free some free swag from your favorite uh your favorite hunting product so um well really cool guys um alex like i said i think it was really cool i think this is I think if anything, my goal with this conversation was to show that social media is it's more than it's more than pissing somebody off with a political post on Facebook. Like it can be useful. Like you can you can do some useful things yeah. with it. And I think I think that your feed is one of those places that do that. So thanks a bunch for spending some time yeah. with us. And uh, it's been awesome, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a have a great rest of your day. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Alex. And. and uh, uh, Oh, yeah. God bless America, there, baby. There it is, guys. Train, hunt, live the best life possible. And uh, don't forget to bless this uh, this great country of ours. Uh, and have a good one. Alex, thanks, man. That was actually really fun, dude. 